right, welcome to the podcast today. It's Tuesday, January 30th. Um, another day after feeling the pain of the Lions' loss, 57 million people watched that game, which is about half as many as people that tune in for the Super Bowl. Um, I always have questions when these numbers come out. And by the way, we have a, we have a lot of famous people things to get into, and a couple of school things um, where I could one I, I'll be a little critical of, like when did we change that and why? And uh, did your parents do this for you? Fifty-seven million people watched the Lions game. Eighty um, percent, and I don't I don't know how this this gets tracked. There's got to be holes in it, uh, both underestimating and overestimating. Um, like, I don't know how we, we, we track the 104 million people watch the Super Bowl. Well, so, the, so 200 and I don't know how many are infants and can't watch the game anyway, but there's 330 million people in America. And, and you're telling me the, the biggest, most watched event of the year, there, there's more people not watching it than, than there are watching it. That doesn't seem that great. How many people do they tally up for, for bars? Like if if it's on at Frickers and there's 300 people in there, do they count towards the 104 million or the total number or are they not counted? Anyway, and like I said, it's probably underestimated and then overestimated and then it just settles back at the number. 57 million people watched a very good Lions team that um, is trending in the right direction. Um, they made some mistakes. They lost on Sunday because of those mistakes. And, and the defense, I, I know there were some questionable fourth down calls, um, but the defense could have uh, stepped up just a little bit, even though I know they're not that good. But if I would have told you that the Lions played a hell of a game and only lost by three points, this was, let's say you couldn't watch the game. And going into the game, I said, the Lions lost by three points on the road to a team that was a big-time favorite over them. You'd be like... All right, I'll I'll take that. Sorry, I couldn't watch. The, it sucks I couldn't watch the game, but I'll I'll take a three point loss on the road to the team that was arguably the second best team in the league all season. I'll I'll take that. But then you see how it happens, and it hurts a lot more. That's just the way it works. I get it. Human emotions, fans, fanaticism. Eighty percent of the televisions in the Detroit area, in the Detroit metro, were tuned to the game. And I I asked the same questions there that I do with the fifty seven million or the hundred four million. What, what what was going on with the other 20%? What what were they watching? Um 7500 people, which I don't know how much they how many they normally get on a Saturday night, usually up uh, Sunday night. On a Saturday night, there's usually in the eights and standing room only. Um uh, but 7500 people went to the wall. 7500 people didn't care one stinking bit about the Lions game or care enough about it to stay home to watch it or hoped that they have a suite at, at the Huntington Center, or they can watch it somewhere there, watch it on their phone. 7,500 people went to the walleye game on Sunday night. Uh, let's stick with Sunday night, and and this is back to uh, last week where we, we continue our culture, we continue our culture, gender, gender, society wars. Um, Taylor Swift is back up at it again. Because uh, you saw she was pictured with Travis Kelsey after the game. I've actually never seen anybody yelling at Taylor, with the exception of one video I saw yesterday where she and Jason Kelsey were in the locker room or walking to it or from it, and somebody screamed, Taylor, you're ruining football! And then an Eagles chant broke out for Jason Kelsey. And by the way, as a Philadelphian, I, uh, I am very much rooting for the Chiefs because of... 
the Kelsey family, Jason Kelsey, who is as Philadelphian as anybody that's ever been born there, uh, for for Andy Reid. Any other, any other reasons? Those are two really, really big reasons. And a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans hate the 49ers. But you have seen, this post is going around as much as that one last week about uh, questioning the Oscar nominations going, this is exactly what Barbie's about. Your daughters are watching you hate Taylor Swift for supporting her boyfriend and hearing you complain about her taking 60 seconds of airtime out of a three-hour game. What they hear, be smaller, be less, do better. Um, the, we, we obviously all agree with, with that, that, that sentiment. But as I've said before, the people who have those opinions, they are utterly irrelevant to, to me. And I think by these posts coming out, you are giving them relevance and empowering them and provoking them to do it more and get louder. And th- th- that's the problem in so many ways with where we are right now as a society. Um, it's kind of like, uh, God, there's so many different examples I, I-, I could give you. Um, it's why McDonald's, we've-, we've brought this up briefly on the show before. It's why McDonald's doesn't make fun of Wendy's, but Wendy's makes fun of McDonald's. McDonald's has been the the king of fast food. Uh, They don't want to punch down. They don't want to get into the sewers because then they get dirty. Wendy's can punch up because they're already dirty and they're trying to get out of the sewers and be on McDonald's level. Um, The people that make those those comments, the, the people whose daughters you're preaching to, if those daughters can't figure out that their parents, the, the, the dad or the uncle, the older brother, whoever, uh, they're out of time, uh, like they, they should be wearing like fur uh, from an animal that they killed because they are prehistoric cavemen. If the daughter can't figure that out, I, I, I can't do anything for you. Like you're not changing anybody's mind. Um, we'll come back to the other famous people stuff. Uh, there is an excellent um, editorial today. From uh, Jason Kuchma, our uh, executive director of our award-winning Toledo Public Library System. And I've seen this over the last couple of weeks that, actually, I think the governor, I read a story with the governor about this. And I didn't know how kids are learning how to read in school. Because I don't have any kids. I I barely remember how I learned to read. All I do remember is um, we did read aloud. Remember, we'd you know be in our classroom, and I'm visualizing something from like third grade. We'd be sitting in a circle around desks. We put all, all of our desks together, and we go one by one around the room, like we would each read a paragraph. And I would either, if I if I wanted to stand out and be a loudmouth, hope for a long paragraph. If I wasn't feeling it that day in third grade, because you know you have those bad days in third grade, just give me like two sentences. And we went around the room and we read those. The one thing I do remember is something I'll throw out here in a moment and go, why Why in the world did we get away from that? Um, and it seems like the governor supports going back to this these scientific methods. Uh, the alternative method that, that has risen up, and please read Jason's um, editorial. I will post it in a couple of different places so you can check it out. I know that you might not be a subscriber to The Blade, but I can give you some workarounds for that, even if I have to screenshot a couple of things, um, because it's it's reading. <laughs> you need to know how to do this, and I guess the easiest way to learn it is the best, and obviously support a friend, Jason. But going back to the governor, going back to these scientific ways of, of reading, rather than um, there was a new way of, of learning how to read, which was con- contextual clues and pictures. 
So you have to figure out what the word is based on the context of the sentence and pictures. Okay, back up. That assumes that illiterate child knows what a cow is. <laughs> um, that also assumes the child can figure out the... Now, if they can't read one word, how are they supposed to figure out the rest of the context of the sentence? This is... This hurts my brain. I don't get into uh, how kids are educated these days a whole lot because I don't have kids and it has been... It's been a long, long time since I had to think about any of this stuff and, and how we learn. Um, at least the basics of... I remember the Common Core ire era. We did a lot of those phone calls on, on the old morning show, taking calls about how parents hated that. Like, why are we learning a completely different way? I don't know if Common Core and math is alive or dead. But this contextual clues and pictures way of learning to read sounds like idiotic. It, it reminds me of what I said just a couple of weeks ago. Like... When, and this isn't the phrase I'll, I'll utter that we never should have gotten away from when they say, when you ask your teacher or whatever, how do I spell blank? How do I spell achieve? Look it up in the dictionary. This was always baffling to me. And, and, and I guess this was the one of the first signs of Eric, Eric going, why do we do it like that? That's fucking ridiculous. How do I spell achieve? Look it up in the dictionary. Well, if you mean where they where the words are spelled correctly in alphabetical order? Well, if I don't know how to spell it, how am I supposed to find it? Like, I realize that achieve will not be under the L's, but come on now. And I guess you can narrow it down. Well, it's not under A-C-H-E-I. Let me try A-C-H-I. That was dumb. But it looks, uh, according to my friend uh, Jason, we're going to go back to sound it out. Like, why did we go... Why do we get to pictures and 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 can hopefully potential contextual clues? Um, sound it out. So I guess the process of that is learn learn the alphabet, what sounds they make, and then put the sounds together to form the word. And when when you go ah uh, 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 achieve, uh, no, yes, achieve. So sound it out is what was hammered home to me as a kid. I don't know why we got away from that. The other school thing, uh, an Ohio thing, looking to incentivize attendance in school. Now, uh, foot has to go down and go, uh, It, it's not, you know, bad students, bad kids, just not wanting to go to school. In most cases, it's probably anything but that. It's a kid that has to take care of an ailing grandparent because their parents overdosed and died or one is in jail. It's because that kid is a little older, 14, 15, 16. They, they have to work. Because they got to bring some money into the household. Um, somebody mentioned to me today, my kid has a lot of uh, a lot of doctor's appointments that they, they have to go to in the school. Doesn't even care. The doctor's notes have become pointless. There are so many reasons other than that's a bad kid that doesn't want to be in school. Um, why kids are not at school. Which makes me want to ask, did you get incentivized for good grades when you were a kid? And do you do that now? Why do we get money from the tooth fairy? Like there was, that was no, nothing on my part. Like I worked a little bit to get the good grades. I didn't do anything to get my teeth. My teeth were going to fall out one way or another. Weird. This is why it's so nice to look back and question things. I was talking to my therapist last week. We had a moment like that. I'm like, remember when we had a, you can maybe visualize the studio I'm sitting in. There is nothing between me and the three microphones sitting on the other side of the counter. I can touch the other microphones here. Listen. 
That's me hitting the other microphone with a pencil. So that's no more than five feet away. Remember back in like the 80s and 90s when the smoking section would be on that side of the counter from your booth? <sighs> Thank God we fixed a lot of those things. Um, do you incentivize your kids for good grades? I, I, my dad never, ex, my never explicitly said, get good grades and you'll get X, Y, or Z. But um, it was kind of known because when I would come home and I have a, I'd have a really good report card, um, there'd be a little bit of a hookup. If I remember it right, now I was a B student um, and I didn't try that hard. I, I don't ever really recall doing much homework when I was home. I tried to do my homework in school, in other classes. I wanted to come home and go to the gym, do my after-school sports stuff, play video games, anything but do homework. Uh, so I every now and then I'd get a C in something, usually math. Yeah, it was, it was usually math. Um, but I was a, a solid B student. But I do remember, so it was like all Bs and an A. I remember five, ten bucks. If it was more A's than than B's, um, it was like a 20 spot. And that was always helpful towards like a Nintendo game or a Genesis game that I wanted to buy. Um, I've also come to the mindset, my dick mindset as I'm older. Um, you don't get you don't get extra things for just doing your job for what you're expected to do. I've become less inflexible on that because situations are very different across the board and sometimes incentives are needed. I guess the other part of my incentive question is does the incentive work against itself when whoever knows they're going to be incentivized? I don't know. I leave that to parents. Um, the famous people things, real quickly here. Um, when someone is trending, I'm on Twitter, wherever else. When someone's trending, we immediately get concerned that they died. Now, in some ways, we worked past that because maybe they're they're young, but then we go, oh no, there's a horrific accident. Um, I would say 9.7 times out of 10, that person or nothing awful has happened to that person. But in the 0.3 times that it does, you feel awful for thinking, oh, nothing happened to them. Christian Bale is trending. He's 50 years old today. And uh, he is my Batman. And maybe because he is my Batman, I have been drawn to all of his movies. I'm fairly certain I've seen every role he's been in since he put the cape on. Um, and I've only seen American Psycho once. I need to go back so I can freshen up my, my memes and gifts, right? Uh, but there was one point with Bale that I deemed him the best living working actor. I think we called, uh, for a long time, Daniel Day-Lewis that. I don't know what other actors got that before, like, for like but in the, uh, in the aughts, in the early tens, Daniel Day-Lewis, who only did a film like once every couple of years, and it was... It was awards fodder. I think Christian Bale definitely did a lot of those movies, or they became awards fodder because he was so good in them. He is my preferred, favorite, living, working actor. And if you don't like his stuff, that's totally fine. I'm not going to have that argument with you. Remember, we're all our own award system. Lastly, um, 
no spoilers here. I tuned in. I, I kept my Apple Plus after For All Mankind ended because I wanted to check out the show Masters of Air. I had read some some good quotes, some good early previews that I'm like, oh, I'm going to keep this thing and check it out. It debuted on Friday. Uh, I watched the first two episodes, Masters of Air. I'm actually quite surprised. It's all very technical. It's all very warry. World War II. Um I expected a sex scene. I expected some kind of love story. And maybe it'll get to that, but not at the moment. It's all very technical about airplanes bombing Germany, going to different parts of the world, and or going to the different parts of Europe, different commanders doing this, this, and that, people getting sick on these planes. How many people can fit on these bomber planes anyway? So if you're like a, a, a war snob in the sense of how these machines function and whatnot, you'll, you'll probably like this. Um, as I think many of us do, maybe me more intensively than you do, um, so much so that I become distracted. And yeah, we all do this. What? Are, why did I just miss? What did I just miss in the last thirty seconds? Because I was in Google. Okay, roll it back. Just do yourself the favor. Rather than rolling it back, when you go on your phone to look something or someone up, just hit pause if you can. Um, so I'm looking up the cast of the show, and I knew that Austin Butler's name was in it. I, I know that name. He, he played Elvis. Famously so with how he did the accent and some other things. And I think he won some awards and then he was off my radar. There was an interesting looking guy uh, as the co-star or the, the other big star on the show. The other main role. Again, no spoilers. His name is Callum Turner. I look him up. I see, oh, he was in some Fantastic Beast movies. He's 30 years old, 33 years old. Um, He's Dua Lipa's new boyfriend. They're keeping it on the down low. I wish, uh, I respect the hell out of that. I wish more. I wish we knew so much less about famous people. Never meet your idols. Um, If you have a a crush on someone for who or what they are, I hope they're fictional. Now, granted, they could go awry in that, but it sucks finding out awful things like like Jonathan Majors. Oh, this guy is going to be my favorite actor and somebody that I love for years to come, and he's got conflict with women. Can't like him in that way anymore. Unless I want to eat my, unless I want my soul eaten away a little bit. So, Callum Turner, not that at all. Very talented. Um, I'm enjoying him. Our guy Barry, our guy Barry from Saltburn is in this show. And, uh, and, and Austin Butler. I'm like, where, like, what does he look, who is he? What does he look like? And um, I knew one was actor Boyd Holbrook, who's been in things here, popular things here and there. I can't say he's ever been the star in the movie, like the movie when I say something huge, but he's certainly had some pretty big roles in some pretty popular movies. Um, I fell across him on the first couple of seasons of Narcos. Like he and Pedro Pascal were um, partners for the first couple of seasons of that show. So if you took Boyd Holbrook and he had a kid with uh, former Notre Dame, um, for, former Notre Dame NFL quarterback, Cleveland Brown quarterback Brady Quinn. If Brady Quinn and Boyd Holbrook had a kid, it would be Austin Butler. Um, thanks for being here on today's podcast. Another one might be to come. We've got to talk um, leadership Toledo and Restaurant Week.